praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, before we go any further, we want to lay hands on the people that are going to have this week what we are declaring healing week or miracle week, so a week of miracles. And what we have done is asked people to open up their houses. Now, I'm sure that some have contemplated and some decide not to, maybe because of time or, you know, whatever. And, uh, but we're going to lay hands on those that have decided to say, hey, to this week is going to be a miracle week or a week of miracles. They're going to invite people to their houses. They're going to share with them, maybe give testimonies. And then what they're going to do is pray for the sick that are in their community or the sick that have responded to their invitation. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, we're opening up our home to pray for the sick, whether it's one night or whatever it might be. If that's you and your family's going to do that, please stand your feet and come down here and let me lay hands on you so that you can go and be a miracle worker. And I believe that God wants you to do that. The Bible says that Jesus sent them forth and we were freely to give because we had freely received. So we're going to be anointing you today. Is there anybody that's doing that? Good deal. Come on down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that uh, Phyllis and I over the years have done things like this. And uh, you just cannot believe the people that respond to a simple opportunity to be prayed for. An opportunity that, you know, they would maybe ever never come in contact with Jesus. I know that Phyllis and I was in a house, uh, an apartment over here one day. You remember, uh, I forget their name, but uh, I used to go through the city every morning and put tracks on people's cars. And, and sometimes people would tell me, hey, you got any new, you know, I've been reading that same old track you keep dropping off my house. But one day we were at an alcoholic's house and uh, his wife, her hands were all crippled with rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, so we were sitting there witnessing to them, telling them about the goodness of God. All of a sudden, she stood to her feet and fell across the kitchen table. And she said, can God do anything with these? And you know, in a moment of time, God straightened out her crippled hands right there in front of her husband. They both gave their life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> And so, listen, you may not know what you're entering into, but it's not you, it's God. And I'm telling you, God's going to do things. Uh, Kylan, can I have some oil from under the seat there? And we have been, uh, yeah, we got, okay. Is it, yeah, look in the trash there. It's just, uh, whoa. Oh. Charlie's got some. This is that recycled 10W30 from over at Jason's uh, Cata Henrich's shop. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that God, your hand, and the gifts of the Spirit would be loosed upon us home this week. God, do miracles, glorify and unveil Christ in Jesus' name. God, we pray right now for this household that God miracles would be done, that God's supernatural signs and wonders, God would unveil the resurrected Christ, reveal him, God, as the true son of God. 
and God rescue those that are bound by sin sickness and disease God let them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ father we pray right now in the name of Jesus that God you would anoint the work of her hands the labor that she had set forth God that God when they come in contact with the testimony when they come in contact with the resurrection message God that they'll hear and that God you'll stretch forth your hand to do signs and wonders in Jesus Christ's name now father we pray right now God for this household as they open up their house touch their community touch neighbors and friends that God you would loose miracles in their house John 14 2 said John 6 2 says that God when they saw the miracles they believed. God loose right now miracles in this household that God people will believe in Jesus Christ's name hallelujah father in the name of Jesus we pray right now that God you would confirm the gospel of Jesus Christ Jesus went about and God as they walked with Jesus that God he unveiled who the father was God let miracles signs and wonders be loose in this house right now that God men and women would see who Jesus is and we thank you for it father we pray for this household and God we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ that is Jesus sent them forth and God they entered into houses and into cities and God when they came out they rejoiced that devils were subject to them people were healed people were delivered rejoicing and brought joy to the city God bring joy release God these people that are bound that come to her house let them be freed in Jesus name now God we pray right now for this family and we ask God that in the name of Jesus as you unveiled who God was in Jesus's life that God you would unveil who Jesus is that God people would see that there is hope salvation healing and deliverance only in the name of Jesus Christ God confirm their testimonies confirm their message God and unveil Jesus Christ to that community in Jesus name and God we pray right now that father signs and wonders will begin to move into this household that father as they testify as they give the gospel of Jesus Christ that God Jesus would work with them in everything they're doing and that signs and wonders would be done in the mighty name of Jesus and that many would be added to the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ's name amen and amen God we pray right now that God you would visit this house that God as they begin to proclaim the word father you confirm it with signs and wonders in the name of Jesus God let the blind see God let the terminally ill be healed God I ask you to release the drug addicted God the alcoholic God in the name of Jesus and God we thank you for it amen and amen God we pray right now that God signs and wonders God would accompany this house God fill it that God when people come in they will feel the presence of the Lord Jesus said when you enter in the house if the peace 
of God is there. Let the peace of God, let the expectancy of the atmosphere, God, be there. And God, we loose the gifts of the Spirit right now to be activated in her house in Jesus' name. And God, we pray right now that, Father, that you would confirm your word. God, put a coal to his lips. Yes, let him in simplicity unveil Jesus Christ. And God, let it just be as clear and as plain, God, as the sun coming up in the morning and the moon coming up at night. And God, anoint his hands that when they lay hands on the yes. sick, that God, miracles will be happen and people will be free in Jesus' name. God is glory and Jesse stretch forth their hand to their community. God, how many times you've already confirmed that you are the healer. But God, this time, a community will come to their door. Friends will come to their door. Acquaintances will come to their door. And that God, they'll share the simplicity of the power of the cross, of the resurrection, God, of Jesus Christ from the dead. And God, you will confirm it in the name of of Jesus Christ with signs and wonders in Jesus name God we pray right now that God you would visit this house that God supernatural signs and wonders God unexplainable events will take place God when this house prays in the name of Jesus that God, men and women, will be transformed, saved. That God, they will come and be awakened, God, to the faith that God has called them to walk in. And God, do signs and wonders like only you can do them in Jesus' name. Then, Father, we pray right now that God, you would bring people. She is invited. Now, God, let them beckon. Let them just have a sense of urgency. Come with a sense of expectancy, God. God, nothing is too hard for you, and there's nothing too hard that you will not reverse and turn around. God, there's nothing impossible that you can't transcend and turn around, that you cannot move time and change a season. I just believe, God, that terminally ill people are going to be healed in this house. That, God, those that have been uh, oppressed and depressed, God, that, God, they're going to be set free. That, God, the suicidal are going to come back and be soundness of mind. God, we loose right now an infusion of miracles and signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm telling you, we will hear great reports, and uh, you're going to get some of those reports next week. Nikki, you and uh, your mother, make sure you take some testimonies next week. And the people will be here that got saved, that got saved through this miracle week. Just let God use you. Praise God. Somebody asked me the other day, are you ready for Africa? I said, well, I'm ready to go. And then I fibbed because I packed last night. No, I didn't. I packed this morning. And, uh, but I know this. I go with God, and God goes with me. And so no matter what you're doing this week through the week of miracles, know this, that God has already seen your faith. He's already declared that he will be there, and he will work with you, and he'll present and perform signs and wonders 
to transform people into sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. All righty, if you will with me today, turn your Bibles to where? Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to go through verse 11 on down for the beginning of what we're doing. We are talking about the church today, and for some of you, this will be good news. This sums up the teaching on the church. Hallelujah. And uh, it's certainly not a full explanation or a re revelation on it, but I have had pastors beginning to reach out and ask for it because even though they're pastors, they've never heard a teaching on the church and they've never taught on the church. So we're going to begin today, but first let me make a few statements. The church is an assembly of individuals, members of the body of Christ, individuals presented, seated, and planted by God in the body. Individually, we represent a portion, but corporately, we represent a whole. It is comprised, the church is comprised of the redeemed, the blood-washed believers, one who has declared on their own fruition their faith in Jesus Christ as being the son of the living God and submit themselves to his lordship. Now let me say this, the church today owes its allegiance to only one. Could I get an amen? Allegiance to only one. There is no longer Jew or Greek, bond or free. There's neither male or female. We do not owe allegiance to cultures or to any other social standard or class. We owe our allegiance to him who hath bought us from sin. Could I get an amen? There must not be any replacement of that allegiance. Could I get an amen? We might say that blood is thicker than water. And I would say in the natural, that is absolutely true. But nothing is more enduring, more binding, and more absolute than our reconciliation unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we will not love brother, sister, mother, father, or any other spiritual person, any fleshly being, any person, or any place or thing above God. Amen. Our total allegiance lies only in Him, and we will fulfill His purpose, His call, and His desire for our life. Now, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the church has a mission. We do not just exist for good services. Thank God for good services. Thank God where people fall out and roll on the floor and spit and hallelujah. Thank God for them. I love those types of services. But we as a church are being prepared for the fulfillment 
of a mission. And the fulfillment of that mission must be, because of our allegiance to him, must be the first priority of every believer's life. Not a secondary priority. It is the primary priority. Amen? Jesus said, how do you declare me as Lord and not do the things that I say? So we have a purpose. Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 11, after Jesus' ascension, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the purpose of perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, the fivefold ministry perfects, brings to maturity or to completeness individuals. It is then up to the individual to begin to enter into the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Somebody say, that responsibility falls solely on me. See, it's not about whether we have outreach. It's not about if we have a pastor or an overseer or an administrator over a certain uh, class or a certain thing to do. We have a job to do. We have a mission. And that mission is that we are to come to maturity so that we can minister to the body of Christ, that we can edify one another. In other words, it is important that you and I are connected to people in the body of Christ in an assembly. And the purpose is that, that they must know who labor among them so that they can give respect and honor to those that have proved themselves in the midst of an assembly. So we, ha we are or have come to a place that we need to edify one another. Amen? We need to edify. Somebody say edify. Well, we need to do that in church. Look for the downcast. You say, well, how will you know? No, don't worry. They come in here by the groves because people are in a war and they're weary. And just like they would come to Christ and he would take them aside, understand that when they come out of the battlefield of ministering, we have to understand that they need encouraging. Amen? Not complaining, encouraging, praise God. And it says we do this until we come into the unity of the faith. It is all of our jobs to come to the unity of faith. Now that simply means that we understand that we all have a purpose. We understand that we all have a place. We understand that we are all different. We don't negate somebody else's personality or the way they do something. What we do is we celebrate <clears throat> differences so that we can use that difference to reach different people. Got to get an amen. And then it says, and that we are come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the per perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about by, with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait. But you and I need to grow up and speak the truth in him 
and in love. And that the body can be fully joined together. That compacted by that which every joint supplies. Somebody say, I have a place. I have a purpose. I will find it. And I will celebrate it. Celebrate what you can do, not what you can't do. Be good at what you do, and don't try to do what you can't do. Amen. So every joint is to be joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. That's why an assembly is so important that we come. And the people that say, well, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. Well, understand one day somebody's going to need the elbow and you aren't going to be there. No, we need you. Amen. And so every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body and the edifying of itself in love. Notice, making increase. We are to increase the assembly. That's the job of individual believers. Amen? All right. <clears throat> now let's go over to Galatians 6.1. Remember, we have a purpose. Somebody say, we have a purpose. We are being constructed by God, by the preaching of the word, out of the fivefold ministry, as we gather together for the equipping of the work of the ministry. Galatians 6.1, there you are. Brethren and sisters, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, tell everybody he's backslidden. Tell everybody he just walked away from the Lord. Tell everybody he just fell into sin. Just tell everybody he got offended. See, that's what we do. But that's not what we're supposed to do. Notice what the Word tells us to do. If any man be overtaken in a fall, you which are spiritual, you which are spiritual, understand the necessity of caring one for another. You that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself least thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. I just got a letter today as I was getting ready for service. I got an email and I was reading the email and this woman says, please pray for us. We need to sell our business. Our son is deathly sick. My husband and I are 68 years old. And we are desperate for a touch from God. If our business does not sell, We'll have no income. But if our business doesn't increase, nobody will buy it. We are spiritually just worn out, desperate to the end of ourself, and we don't know what else to do. We've done all that we could do. But this scripture tells us something. That when an individual comes to the end of their self, it doesn't mean that they have become 
to the end of what God's willing to do because there are brothers and sisters surrounding individuals that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Look, you don't have to walk cold. You don't have to walk weary. You don't have to fall and wonder how you're going to get up. No, you can walk with brothers and sisters because we as a congregation and as assembly are rising to the occasion, not to our occasion, but to the occasion of Christ bringing victory to your life more than he brings our life. We prefer one another above ourselves. That's the body of Christ. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. So we are to encourage our brothers. We are to bear one another's burdens so we fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, an assembly is to walk by the law of love. The law of love. And the law of love always is willing to sacrifice for somebody else's victory. We see it at the cross. We see it through Jesus' life. So we have to understand that if we see a brother, listen, sometimes we say, oh, the pastor should go. No, no, that's not what Jesus said. That's not what Paul the apostle says to the church of Galatia. Look, watch for everybody. Because if we lose one, the body has lost an essential part. Let's not do that. Amen? Let's keep our eyes on those that are around us that we may help the body of Christ survive the battles that they are in. Hallelujah. Let's go to Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42. We know that Mark 16.15 says that we are to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. Now we understand that some people say, well, it's, that's just the world that you're in. No, Jesus is not giving us some small mission. He's giving us a mission that only God with us and us with God can accomplish. And when he says to go to the world, that means the world. No church should be community-minded. I'd like to take that church community or community church, I'd like to take that word and just burn it. We are not community churches. We are world churches because we are called to the world. Jesus died for the world. Jesus loved the world. Jesus reached out to the world. Jesus is still hungry for the world to come to the cross. And you and I are representatives of him. And his heartbeat lives in us. I hear these remarks sometimes. Well, I, I want a pastor that, that's always going to be at home. You want an unscriptural pastor, brother. Say, well, Peter was at Jerusalem. Oh, no. No, no, no. Peter wasn't at Jerusalem. Peter was out preaching. He was headed back to Jerusalem for Easter when he got accosted by Herod when James was killed and Peter was set in the midst of a quarantine of men to protect him so that Herod could kill him after the holiday. Peter wasn't just. Peter had been to Galatia and caused a whole mess there. No, no, Peter was not just at Jerusalem. Listen, folks, there comes a time we have to be touched by the entirety of the fivefold ministry. And we as a church understand that we are raising up other men and women and we are raising people up that are going to go out from us and be extensions of us, and they have to have a place where they can practice, that they can present their gospel, that they can move in the gifts. And if they fail, 
that a congregation will still love them, embrace them, and acknowledge that they have a call. Well, I just don't like quit choosing who you like and don't like and understand that there is a kingdom purpose. Hallelujah. Thank God my pastor gave me a chance to preach. My first sermon lasted five seconds. You're kidding. No. The next time my pastor introduced me, he said, the first time I introduced uh, Brother Pete was that uh, it was in this service, and uh, he got up and preached, and he didn't have nothing to say. But I'm warning you now, once I introduce him, you better be ready because he just won't stop. My pastor believed in me. The next time I preached, I preached in a church in West Virginia. Going to have a revival. I got up the first night, and I went to quote. You know, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. I misquoted it. So I closed my book, and I said, I'm sorry. I thought I was anointed, but I guess I'm not. I didn't realize that you could make mistakes. I walked out of that church. I mean, I closed my Bible and walked out of that church. The pastor saying, wait, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? I got down on Tug River Road, and I remember saying these words, God, get down here now. I told my pastor what took place. He said, aren't you glad that God didn't show up? You wouldn't be here. My pastor said, go out and make mistakes. If any of them are sinful, I'll tell you. The others, you're going to have to lick your wound and get over. But see, it's in a spirit of love. And if we want men and women that are going to preach the gospel, where did Billy Graham come from? Well, he just got saved and God put him on the stage. No, he was mentored in the congregation, accepted. They accepted all of his failed messages in it, his failed ideas. But he kept going because people were behind him and loved him, and he won multitudes of people to Jesus Christ. There may be a Billy Graham in this building today. There may be one next week. There may be one next month. But realize we are in this for a world-changing church. Not just our community. Your church does not end when you walk out those doors. You've entered into the world mission field. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. Now, let's go to, what did I say? Acts, the second chapter. Good, do you have? There you go. And it says, this talking about the church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, here we see four things that a church and assemblies, members individual, are supposed to do besides on Sunday morning. We are to continue in doctrine. We understand that. Then we are to have fellowship. Some people have in their crawl that they think not fellowshipping with the brethren is just normal. It's not normal. You need fellowship with the brother. Why? Because every time you reach out and fellowship with the brother, you're reaching into a sphere where God could use you in a supernatural way in the gifts of the Spirit or so forth. 
But you'll never be used in the gifts of the Spirit if all you do is run around with people who you've already resolved all their problems. Jump into the midst of people that you don't know that are burdened down and their lives are a mess. That's where you need to be. I hear people say, oh, don't go, oh, man, you know, their life is a mess. You know, we went out with them once. Oh, boy, logic. Oh, no, no, you should have stayed with them so that they could have what you have. An ordered life, a successful marriage, and a blessed home. But see, we want people that are already a finished work. There's no joy in setting another trophy in your friendship cabinet. Pick somebody up. Go on Jericho's road and get the most helpless, ignorant, foolish, irrational individual of a Christian and pick them up and pay the price so that you have a trophy to give to a re returning king. That's what we're about. Could he get an amen? Thank God that people didn't just wait until I got perfect. People tell me, oh man, you knew uh, Brother Roberts, you knew Till Osborne, and you knew Brother Shambach, I preached with all of them. Hey, that was great. But the only reason that they saw anything in me was because I had been a member of Samuel Thomas's church. The first black man appointed spirit-filled to a prison chaplain by Governor Celeste. The first man, the first man that I ever knew that fasted 40 days, first man that I ever knew that believed God to be his source. Nobody wanted me until Brother Samuel Thomas had got done with me. So, yes, I knew Brother Shambaugh. I appreciate that friendship. T.L. Osborne, I appreciate it. Or Roberts, I appreciate it. Jesse, I appreciate them all. Billy Joe Daughter, I appreciate them all. But before they ever were, Samuel Thomas had me in his hand. And he worked with me and he molded me and he rebuked me. He flunked me on Bible study courses. Now, I don't preach what I flunked. I just preach what I passed on. But what if somebody doesn't help us? What if somebody doesn't invest in us? We have to have fellowship one with another. Could have get an amen. And stop shunning the people that are not perfect. Older men invest in younger men. What does that mean? That means that they're young and there's a bunch of wickedness in them and it's going to spew out in places you've never ever imagined. But young, older men can handle it because they've done, been there and done that. Older women teach your younger women how to love their husbands. What if Phyllis's mother would have taught her how to love me, how to embrace me, how to kiss me, how to caress my hair? How, what if? 
I'd be a happily married man. Instead of just a faithful, devoted, fearful man. Now, then it says this, fellowship one with another. Folks, you don't fellowship with Christians. You're just not doing what you're supposed to do. Iron sharpens iron. Create some sparks in your life. And then in the breaking of bread, that doesn't mean that they came together and broke communion because in the midst of the house was not just a communion table. It was a place that they came by and had a dinner, broke bread one with another. The Bible says, don't you have houses that you should eat in? You ought to have people over. Have food with them. You know, and some of you young people that are thinking, hey, I'm going to date those people and date those people. Let me tell you how to find out who people really are. Get them around food and other people's opinions. Because they'll tell you what they really think about the food, even though they've already lied to the preparer. And if they'll lie behind their back, they'll lie behind your back. Yep. And then it says, they continued in prayer. 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 One of the things that the body of Christ really forsakes is prayer. And we need to pray one for another. Amen? One for another. Philippians 1, 12, I think, Paul says, look, I'm in prison. But I know that if you will pray, and I will pray, that God will supply the Holy Ghost and I will be turned free and this will be victorious for his glory. Listen, church, the church prayed for Peter. The church, the assembly. I don't know how people at home that don't attend church get that somebody in the church has a problem. They don't. They don't pray for anybody. They aren't even praying at all. Yep having said that now, I don't mean you people that are sending offerings and tithes and stuff I, I love you <laughs> you know I would rather have you than your money now but we need to pray one for another but prayer was made for Peter and Peter is set free and spared life hallelujah hallelujah that is our purpose somebody say that's my purpose you need to have prayer we need to pray one for another James 5, 14 through 16 says, Pray one for another that you might be healed. We have to understand that everybody's battle with sickness is not a battle whether God wants us healed. It's a battle of sickness and disease against an individual believer. But we are to pray that they may be healed. That they may be healed. When you see somebody go through a, a premature death in their family, their children, their loved ones, Whatever it might be, they lose their job. You know what? We need to pray for them because those things leave scars on people's lives. Phyllis can tell you the day that I, I got mad at her and I said, you know what? I don't want to be married to you. I'm returning you. I put her in the car and took her back to her sister-in-law, didn't I? But her sister. But when I got down the road... You know how young men are. I don't know. Maybe I got in the mood or something, but I said, I don't want to take you home yet. 
I took her back to my house. We, I took her back to our house, and we stayed married. But how degrading that must have been to Phyllis. Now, she did get back even with me. We, were, we had no valiant. Some of you don't even know what a valiant is. It is a remodeled gremlin. Some of you don't even know what a gremlin is. It's where they make two cars with two front ends and then sawed in half at an angle. Anyway, they used to cost $1,900 new. $1,900 brand new with three-year warranty, hallelujah. And so we had a Valiant. And Phyllis kept complaining, why can't we get a new car? Why can't we get a new car? Because I'm making... $2.10 an hour. How much? $70 a week. And she wants like everything. Food, a roof over her head, clothes, and then she wants a car. You can't do that on $70 a week. So we're going down the road and I said, you know what? When this one gives up the ghost or blows up, <clears throat> we'll get a new one. Phyllis raises her hand into the air. God, let this car blow up. We went about 20 feet. Now, it's cold outside, and it's been snowing. But I'll tell you what, it was a whole lot colder in my heart than it was outside. And I thought to myself, Lord, mercy, God's even on her side. Now, you've got to realize our Valiant didn't have no heat, so we had to cover ourselves with blankets because the floorboards were rotted out. Couldn't go to sleep in the car because you'd be dead in 10 minutes because carbon monoxide was coming in every which way but loose. And talk about, you know, they sell these uh, water hoses that seep. That was our muffler system. It seeped. It seeped everywhere but out the back. Now, and, and so Phyllis says, God... Let this car blow up. Sure enough, boom, the car blows up. I get it off the side of the road, and we get a ride back to your sister's house. This was before cell phones. This, you know, you couldn't just drag the phone line 10 miles down the road. So this was before cell phones. This was back in the day of pigeons. You put and they go. This, this was back in the day of pigeons. And so we get a ride back to Phyllis's uh, sister, her Jules house. And uh, so that's all fine. They get us home. Well, the next day I get a call at my house. And of course, it's a party line. Everybody in the community hears what you got. And then they get on another party line and tell the other part of the community. That's why I hate that word community. And uh, anyway, and so it says, hello. This is a highway state patrol. I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is my past coming to haunt me. And they said, uh, no, uh, do you own a Valiant? I said, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to pick it up. They said, well, you don't have to pick it up. We cited you for abandoning the automobile. Then we had it towed in. So the only way you can get your car back, which is blowed up, is to go there. And if you don't go there and get the car, 
then you got to pay them to haul it away from where they already hauled it. By the time we get out of that, we could have bought a new car. It was nightmare after nightmare. But you need to pray for people because you never know what they're going through. And people need to be healed of that. I'm still scarred today. If she raised her hand, I go, Nush. You say, do you think God really does that? Well, ask the valiant. We are to be devoted, and the Bible says in James 1.27 that we are to be unspotted by the world. In other words, we as Christians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 down through 11, says that you and I need to know how to be in the world but stay unspotted by it. We need to know how to possess our physical bodies. We need to know how to live holy. We need people around us. We need people to remind us. We need people to repeat what God has said in our ear. We need to walk with others. Could I get an amen? Then 2 Corinthians 1, 4, this is an obligation that says this. We comfort people with the same comfort that we are comforted with in the midst of suffering. You know, when we go through suffering for Christ's sake, there are two types of suffering. One is self-inflicted. Don't self-afflict yourself. In other words, don't do wrong that you are going to suffer a penalty for. That's self-affliction suffering. Don't blame it on Jesus. Blame it on you. My bill, why do them people just keep calling me? Because you owe them money. Oh, they're just doing that because I'm Jesus. Jesus wasn't signing your credit card. You did. Amen. Phyllis gave me a credit card. She's trying to find out if I can be trusted. So she gave me a credit card. Then I put food on it the other day, like, I don't know, $8. I told you not to use that credit card. I said, you did not. You told me not to use it unless I had to. I've been three days without food. I said, I'll pay you back. No, I don't want you paying me back because when you give me money, I spend it. And I said, that's your intemperance. It's not mine. I said, give me money. I'll hold on to it. At least till I get to where I'm going to eat or somebody I'm going to give it to. You know why I'm a giver is because God is in me. And I'm a life giver because I'm a life possessor. Phil said, don't you, you get your value from just blessing people, don't you? No, I give them value by blessing them. I just think you got a spending problem. I said, I think you got a stingy problem. <laughs> Why do you have something and not give it? If you're not using it. Phyllis has got two kidneys. She wants to keep them both. Like, what the? <laughs> I told her the other day, I said, you got four chambers in your heart. Why don't you see if God will bless you if you give a couple away? That didn't go over well. All right, now look. 
But the Bible says this, when you go through suffering, tribulations, persecutions from men that are saved and unsaved, the Bible says that when you begin to trust God, God infuses a supernatural comfort in your life that you are empowered and enabled, strengthened to rise up and to go through the problem, the suffering, and to come out on the other end. Not just for your victory, but so that you can be prepared to rescue and help others. Don't look for a shortcut out of your tribulation. Find out how God is helping you get through so you can help someone else. That's our job. That's our commission. Remember, we're made in the image of God. And God meets people's needs, absolutely all of them. But he does use the hand of those that he's blessed to do it. Yep. Then one more. Well, yeah, okay. Let's go to Matthew 16, 17 through 18. Man, I've got, I've got to hurry because I've got to... Oh, I've got to get to the airport in a little while. Why are you so excited? I've been upgraded to, to business. Boom, ba -ba -doom. Boom, ba yeah, I'm flying high, eating right, hallelujah. Are you against coach? Only if there ain't no place else to sit. No, no, I'm not against coach. I've rode coach for years. But now I've flown over a million miles. I am executive platinum. I am the highest guy on the totem pole, except there is a secret class that you can only be invited in. Start praying that I'll get invited in so that I can get business class anywhere I go. Now, Phyllis can sit back there, but I'll be in the front of the plane making sure everything goes okay. And if the plane goes down and it's headed down, I can yell back, Phyllis, buckle up! Someone's got to take the risky seats. So, Matthew, I love you, Phyllis. If it wasn't for Phyllis, I'd only preach 10 minutes. Now, look. It says, and Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed art thou, son, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but of my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the revelation that you just stated, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it we are in a spiritual warfare against Satan the master of all demons Beelzebub the great dragon the serpent against every demonic force fallen angels that have followed him principalities powers spiritual wickedness in heavenly places his host of unbelievers that follow his ways his thoughts, his rationale, and moral standards. We are in the battle against them. These powers are very aggressive against the church. Very aggressive against the church. And they are establishing strongholds, fortified places. 
not just in individuals' lives, but also in churches. We now have churches that, in Walpole just last year, uh, where the, uh, I can't even think of the name of the church now, uh, married a same-sex couple. And the man said that he was thinking about going into the clergy after he'd been married. He wants to now be a homosexual in the clergy. And the pastor of that church is condoning it and has brought him into the council uh, so that they can begin to prepare him to be a pastor. This is not in Chicago. This is not in New Orleans, not in New York. It's in Walpock. It's coming, and the gates of hell. It's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. And the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, gates and strongholds are being positioned. Not only have they been positioned, they're being positioned every day against the church, trying to confine it, trying to silence its voice, trying to strip it of its power, trying to strip it of its purpose and trying to make the church look like the culprit of all evil. You know, everybody uh, that, that thinks against Israel wants Israel to be destroyed. Jimmy Carter, presidents want it destroyed. The past president wanted it destroyed. He, they talk about uh, meddling in affairs. He orchestrated hundreds of millions of dollars to get Netanyahu out of office and it still failed. Yeah, that's United States government doing that. And now they want to get mad at Russia. We've meddled in more uh, elections probably than any other country in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, so we just have to realize that the devil is against the church. The church is becoming a hated entity in the nation that it gave birth to. Terrible. Number one thing that happens is doubt. Doubt. In a believer's life. What is doubt? Doubt is the seedbed of all disobedience. Doubt is the seedbed of fear. Doubt is the seedbed of compromise. Doubt is the seedbed of knowing and not doing. Doubt is the seedbed of unfaithfulness. Because who could really believe that Jesus would show up on a Sunday morning and say he's too busy to go and visit him. Now, you, no, no, that, that's, you don't believe he shows up. That's why you don't show up. Come on, somebody. This causes a mindset of people stopping to receive Jesus as Lord of their life and stopping from them of accepting the work of salvation. It stops the church from its mission to preach and to demonstrate. It stops us from doing the works that he did in greater works. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians 4, 4, it allows the God of this world 
to blind those that serve Christ. There's spiritual blindness in the body of Christ, deeply, deeply, far more than it ever was with blind Bartimaeus. We think that we can exempt things of the Scripture and still think that God's going to bless us. No, we won't do that. Unbelief causes us to be like the Pharisees. We believe in Jesus, but we refuse to take a stand for him in the midst of people. We understand that the doubt is a lack of doing what the Word says. Therefore, we really cannot stabilize the Lordship of Christ in our life. You can't call him Lord and not do it. Doubt becomes the defending purpose in a person's life not to be totally sold out to Jesus. Be rational. Be reasonable. Get real. I don't want to get real. I want to be beside myself because when I'm not beside myself, myself controls me. But if I can get away from him and be beside myself, I can live for God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, we have to understand that the putting off and the bearing of your talents, putting off the use or the bearing of your talents, really is founded in unbelief. You really don't think Jesus is going to turn you away. All you have to do is read the Bible. I'm sure that you'll get the message. We can confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, yet still doubt it and end up living for ourselves. For ourselves. And that we, because we are filled with unbelief and doubt, we declare that God, with God, all things are possible. But we would never dare believe that. Let's pull down these strongholds. The gates of hell have no right, no right, authority, or power to stop the church from being the church. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand your feet and let's give Jesus a good shout. Today, God, we thank you. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of this assembly, Lord of our hearts, Lord over our lives, our eyes, our ears. Jesus is Lord, and our allegiance is to Jesus Christ first. Jesus, take control of our hearts. Arrest places that have not been opened to you. Lay hold of the purpose that you've called us for. Reveal that purpose that we might walk and fulfill the vision, the call, and the desire of you. Jesus is not about us. We want it to be about you. We want Jesus for you to be Lord of our life. We may struggle, but Jesus, we just refuse not to surrender. We refuse not to accomplish our goal we refuse to not to we refuse to stop fighting for the right for you to be lord and we refuse to allow the enemy to squeeze and to put us into pressure and under a light in a negative way we are the best thing that exists in this world we are the salt of the earth we are the light of this world 
We are that which keeps evil at its bay. We are God's gift to this planet. And God, we believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.